Welcome to Echo, the podcast where we share our personal perspectives on questions about God, spirituality, and the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I'm Ryan Becker, your host. No matter who you are, we hope that you find value and encouragement through real discussions about real things. Let's jump in. Hey guys, welcome back to Echo. My name is Ryan Becker, and just before we jump in, uh, I, we want to give you, it's been a customary uh kind of warning and disclaimer as we've recorded season two, but we are in a church that is doing some renovation here in Collegeville, Tennessee. So you might hear some uh, construction noises. They're literally on the other side of the wall from us on the roof. So uh, (laughs) you might hear something, you might not. I don't know. Just bear with us if it happens. We don't know what's coming. But today I'm joined by two wonderful guests. They're great friends of mine. I've known them for years, so I'm really excited for this conversation. Uh, Jose, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? So my name is Jose Briones. I was born of so the States. I was born in a beautiful country of Nicaragua. Um, I came here about eight years ago. Um, went to school here, um, community college. I did community college. I did Southern. And then I got a Master's of Divinity at Andrews. And now I'm uh, working for Georgia Cumberland Com- Conference. Awesome. And then, Ben, what about you? My name is Ben Williams. Um, I'm from Hagerstown, Maryland. Grew up there, born and raised. Um, going to school here at Southern for theology, and next year I'll be heading up to Anders to get my MDiv, and then on to the beautiful state of Hawaii. Awesome. All right. So before we jump in to today's question, Jose, I want to give you a chance to kind of plug uh, the other creative work that you're doing. So tell us a little bit about uh, what you're creating. So as an Adventist creative, I have a podcast as well, and the name of the podcast is Disruptive Adventism. Maybe you've heard it, maybe not. Um, but if you haven't, go check it out. We have different conversations. We try to spark conversations within the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We have a team. I'm one of the hosts. And shout out to my team. They're really awesome. And um, that's it. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for your work in that. And that's kind of, you know, I went to school with you for a bit. We, we had classes together. But I think, you know, through podcasting, that's actually been the, the, the vehicle by which we've become you know, closer friends. So I am appreciative for it. I'm appreciative for the work you're doing. Thanks. So today's topic, uh, <laughs> this one's fun, uh, because there's an implicit question behind it. But our, our, our talk today is really about apologetics, this idea that uh, how prepared should we be with our faith? How much should we know that when someone asks, hey, what do you believe? Why do you believe it? And And either they do it because they are curious, or they do it because uh, they want to challenge us, right? They want to disprove what we believe. Uh, how prepared should we be? And I think the the implicit question behind that is, uh, you know, how well do I have to know what I believe? You know, how how much do I have to have it memorized or internalized? Because there's so many different facets and ideas and things that we we believe. Um, and so, how how much do I have to know? And do I have to make this my you know number one passion is studying? You know, so let's let's so as I've set the stage here, I'm going to take one step back and let's ask, uh, what has been the role as far as you know with your own faith and understanding your own beliefs? Uh, how seriously have you taken this journey on? trying to figure out exactly what you believe and being able to communicate it well? I think um, I've, I've, I've taken a long journey with it, whether that's through classes because I'm a theology major or on my own personal study, but it's never been so that I can tell other people. Um, that, that's come as a beautiful thing out of it that I can tell other people when it comes up, but it's always been because I don't like unresolved questions in my mind. In my mind, I've always, I've always struggled with, you know, if I can't understand this, then what if, what if that doesn't make sense? And what if nothing makes sense anymore? And so it's been, a, I mean, I've been a huge 
topic of my own personal study for my own sanity, I think. Um, but it's come a lot in handy speaking to other people. But it's never been targeted so I can be ready to talk to someone else. It's always been so I can have an understanding for myself and be a firm believer in what I believe. And that's always poured into the social aspect of telling other people. Absolutely. Okay, perfect. So, and then Jose? Growing up uh, in a Spanish community, uh, in a Hispanic country, I think that something that I did a lot and that a lot of the, the things that were encouraged was like, you need to memorize your Bible. You need to memorize text. You need to, you know, do things such as go and knock on doors, like, you know, do those things. And I always encounter people that had questions. So we were encouraged to know the answers. Right. But the problem with that was that most of the time they were masticated answers. So somebody else chewed on them. Then they pass it to me. I memorized the answer and then I was able to give them, you know, whatever it was. It wasn't until I decided to do it on my own and to start having intellectual curiosity, biblical curiosity, that I started to discover mm, that answer may be right, but I will say it this way. Or that answer does not satisfy the question at all. And we need to have a maybe a more complicated answer or maybe a shorter answer. So my journey has always been, you know, I don't like masticated food. I like to chew it on my own. And I'm pretty sure that no one likes it as well. So I've always had that curiosity. But in the beginning, it was just like, I'm okay with having the masticated food. And then I was like, this is disgusting. I need to do it on my own. Yeah. It's not mine. I didn't make this. I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I think, uh, I think another thing that kind of both of you have touched on here is, uh, I think there's a flaw in the question itself. In and I know I'm the one that asked it. Uh, so self awareness is very important. So okay. But I think the flaw is the motivation, right? The motivation for knowing your beliefs shouldn't be so that you can explain it to other people. It should be so that you can explain it to you. Should be so that you know it, and and so I think I think the motivation is when you say how how prepared should I be to uh, to defend my faith or to know my faith to someone else? Well, uh, it's ho however prepared you should be to defend it for yourself, like to yourself. I think the reason why we have that as a conversation is because we want to reach the world, yeah, right, and we want to evangelize the world and make Jesus come faster, right. That's usually the motivation. It's like, how oh, you need to know your Bible so that you can share it with others because that's the ultimate goal. When in reality, that is part of the goal. But if you don't believe it yourself, you don't buy in, you know, how are you going to share it with others? It's like any product, you know, Apple products, Android or Samsung, you know, whatever it is. If you believe in it yourself, you're going to just, it's just going to be a product. You know, it's just going to be like a product of you believing in it this is the best thing ever. Like, I, I, I have a lot of friends that have Apple's phones. You know, they have iPhones, and they're like, I love iPhone. The simplicity is so great, you know, and they preach that gospel, you know. And then there are other friends that love Android, and they're like, I love the flexibility. I love, you know, this and that. And they start believing in it, and that's why they profess it. It's the same thing with the Bible. If you don't understand it yourself, if you don't chew it on your own, you're never going to get to share it because you don't buy into it. You don't buy into the quote-unquote product. 
Yeah. An ambassador is literally defined as, you know, someone who buys into it and wants to represent it, uh, you know, represent something. And so uh, absolutely, if, if it's not something you believe, it's just something you're reproducing, then the passion's gone and people can see through it. Incredibly easy. People can see through it. Uh, even when you're, and, I, and I've experienced this, even when you're being translated into another language, mm-hmm. people can still uh, identify when it's something that isn't you. Because, you know, for a while you may dupe them, but the second you get to something that is you, they'll be able to immediately tell the difference. Uh, even as a pastor, there were times where I preached on a topic that I, and I didn't feel very strongly about. And then, and I would know, you know, people wouldn't say anything. And then after I preached something incredibly personal, they'd come to me and they'd say, that was incredible. You know, we want more of that. Because that was me. That was my own journey with these beliefs. And that was something I had internalized for myself. And so I I very much agree with that. And I think the other thing that you mentioned is know your Bible so you can tell the world. Know the Bible. Uh, (laughs) Early, early uh, Jews, right, in Jesus' time— Especially the, you know, especially the the Pharisees, the the uh, Jewish leaders uh, knew the Bible better than most of us do now. Knew it backwards, forwards. Paul did, Paul did, and uh, basically what I what I want to say by bringing that up is just knowing the Bible is not enough to believe it. Paul, you know, they missed the Messiah when he came. They didn't just miss him; they crucified him, and that's not to be like some shout against the Jews themselves know. Um, and I think we give them, you know, a really bad rap for doing something that likely in our world today, we would do if someone came in and started teaching something different than what we were, we would try to silence them as quickly as possible. I don't know. So, you know, I, I'm not trying to demonize a group. I'm just simply saying, uh, knowing your Bible, reading your Bible is not enough to make you believe it. Even Satan believes in God doesn't mean he follows him or loves him. So mm-hmm. there is uh, there is room for, yeah, studying it doesn't mean that you own it or that it's yours. Yeah. I think going back to the question, um, you know, it lends itself to exactly what you're saying. Like the question lends itself to how many facts do I need to memorize so I can be fine later on, right? Where we need to be asking more of the question, like you're saying, how can I understand this more, right? And there's never going to be a cap on how well I should understand my Bible because at, 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 at some level, it's not about how much do I have to, but how can I more, right? Because I don't want to understand more facts and, and just get to know more facts so that one day I can give out those facts, but I want to understand the word for the word, right? There, and it's, the question itself lends itself to how many facts until I'm good. Yeah. Absolutely. When, it, when it comes to Christian apologetics, which is, you know, something that we have, I I really have a struggle with having a place for Christian apologetics because, you know, the concept of apologetics and is that it comes from the one of, from the word of apologizing for something, you know. And I don't think the Bible really gives that perspective. You don't need to apologize for what the Bible says, you know. Um you believe it's truth because it's truth. You know, that that's what we believe. But, you know, in a post Christian era, in a secular environment, it's so easy to be like, you need to defend your truth, right? And the Bible defends itself. That's the beauty of the Bible, you know? And that's why I think that when it comes to Christian apologetics, at least with the preaching part, I don't like it because you're trying to make people understand something that they may not be willing to understand themselves. You know, you're just trying to give them Bible trivia instead of letting them go through the journey. One of my closest friends is an atheist. He's been an atheist since, uh, for the majority of the time I've known him, I've known him since second grade. 
and uh, he became an atheist in seventh grade. And we went for years back and forth, him trying to change my mind, me trying to change his mind. We finally got to a point where we were like, yeah, this isn't going to work. <laughs> um, and I finally told him, I was like, look, I can't prove anything to you. And even if I could, knowledge doesn't save you. Uh, it, you know, an experience with Jesus, say, you know, that, that's what gives us the belief that is required. And I think, or the faith that is required. And so, um, I was like, look, I can, I could show you God, and that doesn't mean anything unless you experience what it is to be in a relationship with Him, and you have that sort of uh, that that moment happen for you. And since then, we've been able to dialogue actually more freely in ways that actually build each other up, uh, and it's it's bolstered my faith, and it and it's um, and it what it did was it created an environment where it's safe for him to ask me questions. Uh, and so it's just been really great. Um, so I agree with that. And I think the other, the other side of this that I want to add, uh, is I think our knowledge or our quest for knowledge is sometimes driven by crisis, right? Like, Oh, uh, someone close to me just died. Is God real? (laughs) Right. That's what the questions come as a response. And so, what ends up happening is we have a faith that is very reactive. It's built out of things that happen to me drive then my actions. And so I think the motivation for apologetics or the, the motivation for our hunt for knowledge should actually be driven out of a proactive approach to life and saying, when someone dies or when something happens, I want to have, I want to know how to navigate that. I don't want to have to figure it out when I'm also trying to deal with grief and trying to, uh, you know, take care of, uh, you know, whatever arrangements I need to make for a funeral or anything like that. I want to know in that moment ahead of time how I should respond so that my life isn't reactive, but so that I am prepared in advance. And I think that's how we internalize those moments or, or, you know, those beliefs as well. So that is one thing or, you know, one perspective I kind of wanted to add to this. But um, what are some other opinions or, or, or things that you guys think about when you think about apologetics. I think, you know, all of this being said, I think we're kind of being harsh on apologetics, which we are, because I think there's a negative negative sphere around apologetics. But I think they do have a place. Understanding what you believe, right, has a huge place in life, because if I don't understand what I believe, I honestly don't believe it. Yeah. Right. And I think um, what what we're talking about is the motivation. Right. We're talking about the motivation for apologetics rather than apologetics itself, because if your motivation for apologetics is facts, then there's honestly no reason for you to do it. And I would say just just stop. If you're just memorizing facts, you should probably stop. Um, But if your motivation for apologetics is so that you can understand the Bible so that that becomes something that shares out of you naturally. And so you can understand scripture for more than just fact sharing, then I would say keep going. That's so important. Yeah. That's one of the most important things we can do is understand Jesus more so that we can share him more, right? And not only that, but also to build character and Christian virtues. Like, you know, when it comes to understanding the Bible, you don't just necessarily do it to understand it for yourself and to just have the knowledge, like you said, Ryan, but for you to have a better life. Because if the Bible is not having an impact on you and you're not building character out of that, if your lying tendencies are not changing, if you're, you know, prone to, I don't know, prone to stealing tendencies are not changing, then you're not understanding what you're reading, you know, because that's what the power of the Bible has, that the, the power of the Bible is that it transforms your life completely, you know, and it builds virtues. I mean, Second Peter 1 has those virtues, you know knowledge, wisdom, love, uh, compassion, like, you know, all, all of those Christian virtues that are 
you are able to add to yourself because you're understanding the scriptures. And as a result of that change that you see in yourself, you want to share with others. And that's, yeah. that's the ultimate goal. Well, and I want, and I want to add something to that because there's a caveat here. I think uh, there's, there's some people who read scripture and think it's going to magically change them. No, it challenges you, but you have to put in the yes. effort to change, right? You have to, if you have an addiction, you have to get help. Uh, if you have a problem with something, you have to, or you have uh, people that are toxic in your life that you need to stop being around, right? You need to put in the effort to set boundaries up and to to allow the Bible to change you. Sometimes we read the Bible, we go to church and we say, man, nothing's happening. Well, it's because we aren't letting anything happen. <laughs> we've blocked it out. So we know what it says, but it, we don't care because we've blocked it out, whether we've numbed ourselves through repetition of sins or repetition of bad behaviors and bad habits. Uh, and other times it's just out of fear because we don't, we've not known anything other than our tendencies and our habits. And so uh, I, I, I just wanted to make that caveat because I think what you said is incredibly powerful. And I think it is when, when you have the desire to share your faith with someone else, you'll naturally want to know, okay, well, how can I package this in a way that they will understand? And how can I, how, and, and which means that I need to know it so that I can arrange it and, 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 uh, allow it to be put in a way that I can also present it to someone else. And in order to get to that point, you definitely have to spend time. And that's the sacrifice and commitment that you have to make. You know, it's like any relationship. We frame it all the time in a relationship setting. If you're not spending time in your relationship, well, you know, something's going to happen. Something's going to break. Some crisis is going to occur. And then you're not going to have an answer. But if you spend time in the relationship, you know, you're going to start learning. Also, another component is like you have to be mature enough, you know, because like like I said in the beginning, masticated food, right? A spiritual baby, like a baby, like a physical baby, does not have the power to masticate food, to eat it, to chew it, right? But a mature adult, a biblically sound person, a, a, a mature Christian will have that ability, but that only comes with practice, right? Like, you know, we don't learn how to chew just on our own. Like, you know, we, we get training, like our parents are there. And in the same way, you, you need spiritual parents, per se. Like, you know, people that are guiding you through that journey, that are helping you to understand different things. But you have to do it on your own, too, you know, and spend time, you know. And, and sometimes it's hard. Like, you know, I, I still remember, you know, the first time I ate meat, you know. And it was, like, hard. You know, it was really, it was literally hard for me. Like I, I, I almost like you know my my mom had to walk me through it, you know, or I don't know something hard that I that I ate, but it was it was just hard. So you, you need to learn those things. So yeah, I uh, actually have a friend who uh, his jaw used to be uh, he actually used to look like uh, Jim Carrey, and it was because his he had a severe underbite. I actually remember him trying to bite into a pineapple burger once, and he couldn't actually bite through the pineapple part, so his teeth just slid off of it because his teeth weren't lined up. And so uh, because of that, um, he got jaw surgery and uh, he got he got things aligned and, and he wasn't allowed to eat solid food for, I, for, I think it was like two months or something like that. And they told him, they said, look, if you wait even a day less than this, uh, then you might undo everything we've done. And then they shared with him the story of this girl who was feeling better, had the same surgery, was feeling better uh, and had two weeks left on her uh, two weeks left on her wait period. So she's like, yeah, I'll, I'll have a, I'll have a, a, you know, a piece of toast or something like that. It was solid food. And she took one bite and everything, everything came apart. Oh my God. Uh, and yeah, I know. Right. Uh, but it's this idea uh, the reason I share that story is, uh, sometimes the reason that a belief isn't, 
uh, we don't care about it or, you know, we don't want to know it or we have struggles with it is because right now that's not the thing that God needs you to focus on, right? Sometimes it, God needs you to focus on getting the simple things down first. I think, uh, you know, when we talk about loving uh, others, sometimes God needs us to understand our own value in him first so that we can properly love others. Uh, and so there there is phases to this too. And you have to find out what are the passions and the talents and the things that God has placed on your heart so that you can begin there and you're not in your quest to know more about who God is, to know more about yourself and how you relate to him uh, and, and to really engage with your beliefs in a way that, that will make a difference and will allow you to let the Bible and let your relationship with God change you and transform you. So as we kind of close out any final thoughts from either of you on on this idea of apologetics and knowing our faith yeah i just think you know knowing your faith is important but you just have to be careful of that motivation yeah yeah for for me i think that you know when it comes to christian apologetics the motivation is key like you mentioned but also like just spend time spend time with your bible and it's going to be hard Yep. You know, like there are moments that you're going to be like, this is boring. I'm not seeing change. It's like going to the gym. First couple of weeks, you see a lot of results. Later, you don't see any results, but you're still growing. It's just that you're not able to see it as much. And same things happen. Yep. With, with the body. And, and it becomes about maintenance and, and going back over things. And so I, I would agree with that. And there's one more group I, I do want to mention as we close out here. And that's the group that is passionate about apologetics. Uh, I just want you to know if you've been listening to this and you think we're, we're uh, shooting you down or discouraging you, not at all. If, if your passion is knowing and, and presenting and getting into debates and, you know, all of it, then live in it, lean into it and embrace that passion and, and, and let, let that be, uh, the, the vehicle that God uses you to make a difference in the world. Absolutely. Uh, I don't think the three of us, n- none of us think that apologetics is wrong. I think, uh, what we're questioning here, as we've said many times is, uh, the reason why we get involved with it in the first place. And sometimes we go into it with misguided intentions and that can cause damage to everyone. So I just wanted to kind of end on that note, uh, because I didn't want anyone to feel discouraged. Rather, we want you to feel encouraged in your journey, edified in your journey. And, and hopefully there's been something here that could help you as well. So listen, Thank you so much for being a part of this journey with us. Uh, And a special shout out to Southern Adventist University for hosting us for uh, the recording of season two. Jose and Ben, thank you again, and we'll see you next time. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Echo. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay up to date with new episodes as we release them, and for more awesome content from Project Refresh, a ministry of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, then go ahead and hit that subscribe button below. And don't forget to like and leave a comment.